Wow, that, that, that uh, moved me this past week, uh, just watching uh, the, the uh, mix of emotions in that video. Uh, all the moms and all the spiritual mothers of Ifri Church, uh, we appreciate you greatly. We thank God for you. Uh, we have some special gifts for you that will help you remember this special day. If you are a mother and if you are a spiritual mother here at E-Free Church, would you stand? Would you stand and stay standing until you receive your gift? Let's thank God for these wonderful mothers. Also, we may have some mothers outside on our patio as well. We so thank God for them as well. Um, boy, those pens are beautiful, aren't they? Wow. Precious pens and even more precious bookmarks. And so, mothers, we hope that you will uh, experience the love of Jesus throughout this entire day. This morning, I'd like to share a message to all of our moms and all of us. And that's why the title of my message is appropriately Encouragement for Moms and All of Us. It's a very creative sermon title, isn't it? Encouragement for Moms and All of Us. And whether you are a mom or a dad, a child, a sibling, whether you are married or single, whether you are in school or out of school, the Word of God has encouragement for each of us this morning. And the Word of God has called each of us to be an encouragement to others this morning. Next week, we're going to resume our series in the book of Mark. Today, we're having a special week of celebrating God's gift to us. And so I invite you to turn today to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'll start by reading verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. After I read this verse, keep your place there in 2 Timothy because I'll come back to it and read another passage. But I'll begin in verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. The role that women played in the New Testament, it was huge. The role that women played in the spiritual lives of others and in the lives of these spiritual leaders, it was huge. And that's why Paul spoke so highly of women in his letters. Here, Paul is writing to a spiritual son, Timothy. Timothy's grandmother was Lois. 
Timothy's mother was Eunice. Eunice was a Jewish believer who had married a Greek man, Timothy's father. Now, Lois was either Eunice's mother or her mother-in-law. We're not quite sure. We don't know for sure whether Lois was Eunice's mother or mother-in-law. But the fact that Lois helped Eunice raise Timothy indicates that they were all part of the same household, most likely. You see, back then it was very common for three generations to live under one roof. So grandma would help, grand, or would help mom take care of child. And we actually see that quite a bit in many of today's cultures as well. Now, it's possible that Timothy's father died when Timothy was very young, which is why Paul, he took on this role of the spiritual father to Timothy. Now, let's go over to chapter 3, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, and I'll read another passage that Paul addresses to Timothy. Chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And Paul continues. He says this, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so here, Paul reminds Timothy that he received spiritual wisdom when he was in his crib. And that's because his mother and his grandmother would speak the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, to Timothy while he was still a little baby. Lois and Eunice were examples of the powerful influence that mothers and grandmothers have on a young child's life. And Paul, he esteemed these women. And what I find so remarkable is this. Paul esteemed these women in a day when women were rarely mentioned let alone by name. Lois and Eunice poured wisdom into the life of young Timothy, and I know, I am convinced of, I am sure that they continued to pour wisdom into his life every stage of his life. Think about this, right? Moms never really stop influencing us. Isn't that true? No matter how old we get, right? Mom is still mom. Mom is still mom. So whether you are 40 years old or 50 years old or 60 years old, mom is still mom, and she's still giving us motherly advice. They can't help it, right? Moms, you can't help it. That's what moms do. It's in their genes, G-E-N-E-S, not to be confused with mom genes, J-E-A-N-S, now, if you don't know what mom jeans are, as in the pants, it's okay, all right? <laughs> if you really want to know, just come ask me. So what are mom jeans, okay? Come and ask me afterward. And, and by the way, mom jeans are back in style, right? And so wear your mom jeans proudly. 
no matter how old we are, moms, they want to take care of us. On Sunday mornings, when my parents arrive at church, my mom will often hand me a protein bar. <laughs> because she wants to make sure that I am refueled between services. Because after all, she has to make sure that her son has enough energy to preach God's word throughout the day. God bless you, Mom. <laughs> the Apostle Paul understood the role of women in family and in ministry. Turn with me to another one of Paul's letters, Romans chapter 16. Verse 13. Romans 16, verse 13. And Paul writes this at the end of this important letter. In verse 13, he says this. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Now, this verse is part of a long list of personal greetings that Paul includes at the end of his letter to the Roman Christians. Now, at first glance, this verse, it might not seem like a big deal, right? It's just a list of names at the end of this letter. But what Paul says about Rufus's mother, it is deeply, deeply profound. You see, much like Paul served as a father figure to Timothy, Rufus's mother served as a mother figure to Paul. Now, we don't know much about Rufus's mother. We don't even know much about Rufus himself. But the, the story behind this, it's, it's just truly amazing how God works in the lives of people then and now. It all began back on the way to Calvary when Jesus was walking to his death. I want to take you to the book of Mark, chapter 15, verse 21, for just a bit. Mark 15, 21. So, I, you know, I could not help but bring the book of Mark back into this passage, even though we're taking a break, right? So Mark 15, verse 21 says this. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Simon was forced to carry the cross of Jesus to Calvary when Jesus could no longer carry it. You see, Jesus had been tortured, he had been beaten, he had been whipped, and the weight of the cross became so heavy, he could no longer carry it. And so the Romans, they pulled a man from the crowd, and, and Simon was just passing by. He was on his way to Jerusalem when he saw this procession, and the Romans pulled him out of the crowd and said, you, you carry the cross of Jesus. Now, we have no record of what went through Simon's mind. 
as he carried the cross of Jesus. All we know is this. Later, Simon came to faith in Jesus. His wife and his two sons, Alexander and Rufus. That is why in the book of Acts, Luke records and includes Simon as one of the teachers in the church at Antioch. And Simon's, Simon's wife, the mother of Alexander and Rufus, made such a big impact on the life of a missionary, a missionary by the name of Paul. You see, when Paul arrived at Antioch, when he came to work at the church there, he left everything back at home. He left his home and went to a brand new, unfamiliar environment. And whenever you leave home, it can be emotionally uh, exhausting and challenging. Whenever you leave home, it can be an, exp an ex uh, emotional experience. No matter how young or how old you are, when you leave home, it is difficult. Parents, when you move your children into their college dorm for the first time, it is emotional. Many tears have been shed in a dorm room as parents say goodbye to their children, even if the dorm is only like 45 minutes away. <laughs> There's something about moving away from home that is emotional. And no matter what stage in life you are in, moving from one place that you know and you're familiar with to an unknown place it can be scary, it can be frightening, and it can be emotional. Joanne's parents uh, just moved from their home where they were at for many, many years, and they moved into a community with others in the same life stage. Joanne's dad is 91 years old. Moving at any stage in life is challenging enough, isn't it? Moving when you are in your 80s or 90s from a place of familiarity to a brand new unknown environment and having to downsize from an entire house to a one-bedroom unit, it can be not only physically but emotionally draining. In the last several weeks, there have been many tears shed by Joanne, her family, many, many tears as they've been helping her parents move into their new home. You've all experienced something that is emotionally exhausting, something maybe similar to that. But I was so encouraged this past Monday. We went and we've been back there a number of times. But this past Monday, we went to her parents' new residence uh, to visit them to help unpack. And then during lunchtime, we walked with them down to the community dining room where they're able to be served meals uh, with other residents. And on Monday, as we were eating our lunch together, the four of us, one by one, the other residents who were having their lunch they walked over to introduce themselves and to welcome this new couple into 
their community. We met so many people that Monday. The next day on Tuesday, Joanne went back by herself to help her parents continue to unpack, and so Joanne joined them for lunch again. And sure enough, Joanne said again the second day, more people came up and befriended them and gave Joanne's parents all these tips. And one lady said to Joanne's mom, oh, do you sing? If so, we have choir practice. Little did this lady know that Joanne's mom has a beautiful soprano voice and that Joanne's mom has been part of choirs her entire adult life. When you move into a new environment, unfamiliar, unknown, it can be emotional, it can be lonely, it can be scary. Friendly neighbors are God's gift. Friendly neighbors are God's gift to people who move into a new place. And so God used Rufus's mother to minister to Paul. This fearless, bold, great missionary. And yet even Paul needed the motherly influence that Rufus's mother provided at just the right time. That sounds like so many examples of motherly influence that I've witnessed and experienced firsthand here at our church over the years. God has used you, ladies, the spiritual mothers of our church, to minister, minister to one another in times of need and to minister to the younger generations. I've seen it time and time again. So thank you to the spiritual mothers of our church. I'd like to take a moment, if I may, to speak to, to all the women of our church right now. No matter where you are in life right now, no matter what stage you're in, I hope you will find encouragement in God today and through his word today. The pressures can be so overwhelming. And oftentimes, the pressures and the expectations that women face are simply unreasonable. In the video we watched earlier, there were many conflicting emotions that were conveyed. One, one woman wrote about experiencing seasons of happiness, right? And yet seasons of heartbreak and uncertainty. Another woman wrote about the tension between hoping and yet having to wait. Another woman wrote about always comparing herself to others. Questions like, am I doing enough? Am I good enough? Those questions can often send women into a downward spiral. I'd like to speak to all of us now for just a moment. Men, women, children. As followers of Jesus Christ, we want to make sure that we are not placing unreasonable and, more importantly, unbiblical pressures and expectations on one another. And here's the good news. The best starting point to prevent this from happening 
with any subject is to learn God's Word in a way He intended it to be learned and then to rightly apply it to our lives. You see, so many of the unreasonable and unbiblical pressures that we place on one another, they stem from a misinterpretation and then ultimately a misapplication of God's Word. And one of the most misinterpreted passages in all of the Bible is, ironically and uh, unfortunately, a passage that is often chosen by pastors to preach on on Mother's Day. And it's Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. So I'm going to preach on it today, okay? <laughs> but hopefully in a way that God intended it to be learned and then applied. So I invite you to turn to Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31. I'm going to read to you just the first um, handful of verses from verse 10 to verse 18. And my hope is this, that if you've, if you've studied this passage at any time in the past, and maybe this passage is just, uh, you know, every time you hear that passage, passage you're like, oh, no. But hopefully you'll have a clearer understanding of what God's intent is with this passage. Proverbs 31, I'll start in verse 10. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night and provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees, her trading, she, she sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. I'm going to stop right there, okay? Because I don't want to read the rest of the passage, okay? I don't want you to leave all depressed, all right? <laughs> Ladies, what we have here in Proverbs 31 is this. It is a poem. And in this poem, the woman is presented as a wealthy aristocrat who runs this household estate. She conducts business affairs, domestic affairs. Ladies, if you read this passage with the understanding that you need to do everything mentioned in Proverbs 31 in order to be considered a godly woman, you're going to walk away feeling defeated. Listen to these insightful words from one commentator, and these just, they, they just stopped me in my tracks this past week. So it's about a paragraph long, but, but listen carefully as I read these words from a wise commentator. Who wouldn't want to be as talented, productive, strong, caring, and fearless as this woman? But as normal human beings, many of us are more likely to cringe when this seemingly perfect woman is set before us as the example. Who can find her? Indeed, not everyone has good business skills, 
or opportunities. Many do not have the gifts and creativity to make clothes for the family and household. I don't know if I've ever met somebody who is both a morning person and a night person like this woman. If the Proverbs 31 woman only stirs in us guilt that even on our best day, we lack the ability to meet the standard for our calling, what help is she to women striving to honor God? Ladies, please know this. Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, is not, and I repeat, is not a step-by-step manual to be followed in order to be considered a godly woman. It is not a checklist to measure yourself against. Unfortunately, over the years, I've read too many books and I've read too many articles and Unfortunately, I've heard too many sermons that do just that. That they'll take this passage and treat it like a manual and a textbook and a checklist. The key to understanding Proverbs 31 is not to view this as a checklist. Here's the most important truth about Proverbs 31 verses 10 to 31. Proverbs 31 is a metaphor for wisdom. In other words, Proverbs 31 is a symbol of wisdom. The Proverbs 31 woman is a symbol of wisdom. You see, Proverbs as a book is a book of wisdom. It is not a step-by-step manual. And without this understanding, any woman today could easily read this chapter and walk away just feeling completely demoralized. That's not God's will for you today. The goal for any of us, any one of us, men, women, and children, whenever we go to the book of Proverbs, and by the way, men, Proverbs 31 is for you as well. When we go to the book of Proverbs, the goal for us is this. It is to grow in godly wisdom. That's the goal, to grow in godly wisdom. That goes for every single one of us. When Christian men read Proverbs 31, the proper question is not to ask, oh, how can I find her? Where is she? I'm holding out for her. And we chuckle. But I'll tell you, over the years, I've heard sermons preached on that. I've read books written on that. Single Christian men, when you read Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, the only question you ought to ask yourself is, am I growing in godly wisdom? Parents, when we read Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, the question is not, how many extracurricular activities did I sign my kids up for this past week? 
as long as we grow in godly wisdom, and as long as we make that a priority, we will not stray from God's will in our lives. You see, no matter how hard we try, and maybe you've experienced this in your own life, no matter how hard we try, there will always be a family that seems to have it more together than our family. No matter how hard we try, there will always seem to be parents whose kids get better grades than my kids. And no matter how hard we try, there will always be people's vacation photos that look so much better than ours. The best thing that you and I can do for the next generation, by the way, that's why this message is for every single one of us, not just mothers. The best thing that you and I as men and women in the body of Christ can do for the next generation, whether that generation's in our house or in our church or in our communities, the absolute best thing that we can do is to grow in godly wisdom. Because when godly wisdom is present in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When godly wisdom is present in our lives, here's what happens. The words that come forth from our mouth, they are spirit-filled. Isn't that God's will for us? To have spirit-filled words, moms and dads, children alike. That's God's will for us. When godly wisdom is present in our lives, the choices we make about family, about career, about education, they will be God-honoring. Sometimes, you know, especially uh, this time of the year, or just it just kind of passed, but oftentimes uh, graduating high school seniors and parents, they agonize, what school should I go to? What school? Oh, if I go to this school, I'm going to be in God's will. If I don't go to this school, then I'm going to not be in God's will. It's like, oh, it's agonizing. Here, here's the godly approach. No matter what the school is, and quite frankly, you can be just as God-honoring in both schools. It's not really about the school. It's not like, oh, no, if I go here, it's going to make or break my life. If I go here, oh, no. The most important question is this. Whatever school I choose, will I grow in godly wisdom there? And that can happen in any environment. When godly wisdom is present in our lives, then the way we conduct ourselves will be Christ-like. And so today, on this Mother's Day, God's Word has encouragement for moms and for all of us. May we grow in godly wisdom today and every day. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for your word, your timeless word. We thank you for the influence that women had in the New Testament 
And we thank you for the women who have influenced in our lives today. Thank you that we can carve out this day to honor and to celebrate our moms. And Father, we ask that today, no matter who we are, no matter what stage in life we're at, that we would seek to grow in godly wisdom. Because when godly wisdom is present in my life, then the fruit of the Spirit is evident in my life. And that's your will for each of us today. So we thank you for that reminder. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.